Good morning. Um, have you guys heard of the game uh, Family Feud? Yeah. Today we're going to play a game called Family Pew. Not pewed, but Family Pew. And so the idea is all the people in your pew are a team. If you want to sit closer, you can. All right? Now, 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 what's the idea? I've been waiting for this Sunday for a long time. And what we've been doing for uh, several months, we've been strengthening our core. You guys ever go to the gym and you strengthen your core? No? <laughs> well, you should, okay? You're supposed to do that, all right? But we've, as a church, have been strengthening our core muscles, right? Right here, right? That is where the core is, right? And so, someone's like, I don't know. I don't know either, actually. Um, so we've been doing a manuscript study as a group, as a large group, in the Gospel of Mark. Why? So we, been, we can become lovers of God's Word, right? And then we've been talking about prayer. Why? So we can be people who know how to pray. Those are the core. And today, this series, we're going to be strengthening like our hands, our biceps, you know, the appendages that are actually moving out and helping and serving and loving and moving out of the church and doing that, okay? So that's what we're doing, and today is the start of a new series where we're focused on the global mission, okay? So I thought a cool way to get us started is to play Family Pew, okay? So I have four questions, and um, you can just raise your hand. You're representing your pew. Uh, any pew can answer more than once. And whoever guesses it right gets one of these envelopes, okay? And it's full of candy. I'm just telling you what's inside, okay? So, so now it's really worth it, okay? So um, question number one. Remember, it's, it's the global church, it's, it's the kingdom. Question number one, the vast majority of Christians in the world today are young, non-white, poor, theologically conservative, and blank. Raise your hand. Oh, Masako. Oh, okay, it's okay, it's okay. She was just exercising the hand. We're exercising the hand. Anyone? is also, come on, come on, you can try and fail, no consequence if you fail. Yes. The vast majority of Christians in the world today are young, non-white, poor, theologically conservative, and... Yes. Not in North America, that's true, but not my blank. Raina, could you stand up? Raina is a... An Asian. <laughs> Did someone say woman? Okay, Art was the first one to say woman. Yes. And women. Great job. Please share with your pew. Really, it's just you and Linda. Go for it. Okay. Question number two. Americans make up 5% of the world, but we consume what percent of the world's resources? Hands. Uh, yeah, Priscilla was first, or was it Francis? Wrestle for it. No, uh, Francis. 90. No, we're not that bad. Priscilla. What was that? 50 is right. We are 5% of the world. We consume 50% 
of the resources, and that's another resource for you to consume. Okay, question number three. Which country is on track to become the new center of the Christian faith, having close to 28,000 conversions on a daily basis? Raise your hand. Yes, Jason. China is right. That's right. Great job, Jason. Yeah, yeah, you sit over here. Yeah. At any time, you can switch teams. That's okay. <clears throat> China. A bunch of us left, and then God started doing all these cool things in this country. Last question. Leaders from every non-Western region say that their number... Oh, by the way, this is from a book called Serving with Eyes Wide Open by David Livermore. It's 2008, so this information is a little bit outdated. Sorry, I couldn't do all the research for something really, really current. Think nine years ago. Okay, but... Leaders from every non-Western region say their number one need is two words. Faith is one word. So that's not it. Prayer, no. Holy Spirit, I agree with you, but no. Money, no. The second word is development. The first word is what? Someone coughed. <laughs> Gordon, leadership development right here. You can share that with your pew. Great job, Gordon. <clears throat> okay, we're getting warmed up here. Um, would you uh, take from your bulletin, during the Kingdom Fund series, I'm going to go quickly through this. Uh, find the sheet that says Kingdom Fund, okay? During this series... We're going to go old school and support some organizations that we've supported in the past three years. So there's Freely in Hope with Nicole. Um, there is City Team SF. And there is also Arms of Love, uh, supporting orphans uh, overseas. And also, we have a matching fund of $10,000. 15000 Do I hear twenty? No, $15,000. Okay. <laughs> So every dollar that you put outside of CLC in a new organization, something you're doing that's new, we will match it dollar for dollar up to $15,000. Also, during this series, we'll be taking um, an offering for Nepal. And we will match that offering by 50%. Oh, dollar for dollar. Up to 5000 Thank you. Okay, so that's the Kingdom Fund. We got a lot of really good things in store. Uh, that was just the first part. Now, what we're going to do right now, you guys remember the movie, The Matrix? It's not that I, I'm recommending that you see it. There's not a plug from the pulpit, but in case you've seen it, you might remember this illustration where Morpheus comes up to Keanu uh, Neo, and basically he says, we got the blue pill and we got the red pill. You guys remember that? And the blue pill, your story ends, you wake up in your bed, you, basically the story ends, you're saying no thanks. The red pill is you say yes to this invitation and you see how far down the rabbit hole you go, right? And now the rabbit hole is like, uh, we're using that as an illustration for adventure, okay? So 
I'm going to call up uh, Sylvia to come join me here. This morning, we are offering at least 20 people a metaphorical red pill or blue pill kind of scenario. And so we are going to invite uh, 15 people and then five people to volunteer. You're just going to come and basically grab any envelope from the, the big jar right here in, in, in the center. And then you're going to exit to the sides, and we have men with clipboards. Uh, we chose the manliest men at CLC to do this job, <laughs> clearly. And then they're going to write your name and the number on your envelope. You can pick any envelope you want, uh, and then you're just going to exit through the sides, okay? So... Our church has really grown so much in being missional in these past, you know, three years, five years. And we have these amazing stories. And so now we've started this Kingdom Fund series, which is a dream come true. But we're going to do this for another three years. We're also going to move out and to share the love of Christ with a broken world. That's what we're doing. Now... Sylvia and I have been very thoughtful and very prayerful about this process right here. And um, so we're going to just call out people, and it's an invitation for you to come forward, okay? Now, I am 99.8% sure that you're going to want to receive an envelope like this one. And the idea is that why does the Kingdom Fun team get all the fun? And so we want to share the joy with you guys here. Now, when you pick up one of these envelopes, I'm pretty sure an adventure is going to begin. It's probably going to take you out of your comfort zone, but I think in the end you will say, that was so worth it, that was a really cool ride. Um, And so it's really entirely up to you and God. Now, in any of this process, even if we invite you, you can say, no, thank you. You can do that. We're totally honoring your free choice. Even if you take the envelope, by the way, when you take the envelope, you go to the side, you sit down, please don't open it until you're instructed to, okay? Now, when you take the envelope and you open it when it's time to open it and you're like, okay, I totally get what this is about, but you're like, you can still say no. Now, what you have to do is just give it to Nancy in the back and all she'll do is ask you 10 questions. No, no, Nancy... (laughs) Nancy will not ask you a single question. She is like the friendliest, nicest person in the world. She will smile at you and say, God bless you. No problem, no questions asked, okay? Basically, it just means, we just interpret that as, I I don't have time for this, great, I just don't have, and that's okay, all right? So, we're totally honoring your free choice. Now, we're going to call out names, 15 envelopes, five for volunteers, for people who want a new adventure, And remember, please don't open the envelope. We will do so in the middle of the message. Sylvia and I are just going to rotate. Sylvia, do you want, you need a mic. Let's give you this one. Okay. Sylvia, you want to say hi? Okay. (laughs) She's going to call out two names. I'm going to call out two names. We're just going to look at people. and, And then you're invited to come forward. Or you can say no thanks at any time, even after we call your name. Okay. So it's purely invitational. And by the way, there's going to be a music video playing in the background for people whose names aren't called. But remember, five volunteers. So at the end, whoever wants can come up and we'll do that. Okay, now here's the video. And Sylvia will start off. All right. Um, Art and Linda, one of you guys, can you guys come up? Um, Mark and Linda. Okay, my turn. Uh, Donald and Vanessa. All right, um, Don and Warren, one of you guys can 
Uh, how about Gloria and Megan? Why don't you guys come up? Jason? You can pick any envelope you want. <clears throat> uh, Helen. Uh, how about, yes, only one. Uh, how about Evan and Will? <clears throat> Bino and Eileen. All right. How about <clears throat> Richard and Patty? <clears throat> Yeah, you can send a representative from a couple if we choose a couple. Michelle. How about Lindsay and... Um, Jared. Oh, okay, Jared. Jared. We will save these last five for volunteers. Okay, we got two more. Yeah. You want to pick the last one? Okay, yeah, we're good, okay. Now we just need five volunteers. So you, the first five that just spring up, these envelopes are yours. All right, Mamiya, go for it. <laughs> Woo! Francis, yeah! Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Richard took two. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, we got four more volunteers. New adventure. Anyone? Oh, yeah, you can start calling out people. That's good. Norm, Gordon's up. Woo! Kristen's up. Claudia? All right. And we got, oh, hold on, I took one, too. Okay, we have two more, two more. Yeah, Megan, come on up. Woo! Okay, one more, one more envelope. One more envelope. Julia, why don't you come down and get it? <laughs> You're the first person I saw. You're already coming down. She has no idea what this is about. Exit to the sides, would you? <clears throat> okay, we're good. Okay. Now, can I ask you all to stand while we read the Word of God together? These are the words of Jesus. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing Five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, 
You delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and and, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God. You all can sit down. How many of you guys have heard that parable before? Just go ahead and raise your hand. You know, there's kind of a funny thing that happens when we've heard this parable over and over again, which is that the, the, the initial um, effect kind of wears off. Now, do you remember the first time you heard this parable? Do you remember what you were thinking? I, I, I can tell you that when I read this for the first time, it's the last six verses that freak me out. Anyone here kind of had like a problem with this parable? I mean, it's not your favorite parable. You kind of wish that you could just end the story before the last six verses where the lazy servant gets picked up and, and thrown into outer, outer darkness because then you do this study and the gnashing of teeth and the outer darkness represents what? Hell. And there's five times in the book of Matthew where this is mentioned, and each time it means hell. And so you're reading this, and you're like, oh, man, this is scary. And you're like, this is not my favorite parable. And anyone there? No, I I want you to imagine this. Let's say you read this parable. This is one of the problems with this parable. As you read this parable, and you're reading about the last six verses, you're like, oh, man. And and, and you're, you're like... This seems to be saying, get to work or else, right? And so you're like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, This worship, uh, service service worship. I'm going to go, and and then I go, and I bring this care package to a homeless person, and I give it to them. And they're like, oh, thank you. And you're like, no, 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 it's not about that. It's, it's, I just don't want to be picked up and thrown into hell. All right? What what do you think the homeless man is thinking at that moment? This is not love. (laughs) I'm not feeling loved and cared for. It's like you're kind of doing it for yourself. It's like you're doing this, but selfishly, it's like fire insurance. So there's a problem that comes from this parable, right? Now, I would say that it's bigger than a problem just in the parable. This is a problem that we all share. It's the problem of motivation. 
How many of you guys are here today going like, you know, I don't really need a message telling me what I already know I should do. I've heard this parable before. I know that I should be more active. I know that there's kids around the world who are starving and dying of preventable. I know, I know, I know, I know, no. The problem is not what I know. The problem is what I want to do. It's a motivation problem. It's a heart problem. I know I should do it, but I don't want to. Maybe it's like I'm so busy. I know that there's these kids who are starving, but I got my own problems. We suffer from a motivation problem. And so right now, I want to ask you guys, if we are going out to do this service worship, what is the right motivation? And when we read this parable, how can we be motivated by in the right way, not the wrong way? And so we got a motivation problem. Can you guys say motivation problem? Okay, now, that is the main point, and we're going to get to that near the end of the message. But what I want to do right now is go through some minor points, if you will. I want to go through some minor points, walk you through the envelope, and then we're going to go back to this main point, okay? Now, what I like for everyone who has an envelope, you guys can go ahead and open your envelope. I don't know if you were like feeling it or holding it to the light. I don't know if you think it's, is it more candy? Is it more M&Ms? What, what's, in, what's in the envelope? But now you read the parable, it's probably going to be, yes, it is the green. It is the green. Okay. Now you're like, okay, now I get how this connects with the parable because the master gave his servants money. Okay, now what I want you to do is don't take out the money. Just kind of, okay, when you get an envelope full of cash, what's your first impulse? You, you count it. Okay, now, <laughs> Linda's just being honest. Okay, you're like, I just want to make sure it's all there, and Pastor Andrew. I want to make sure that... Okay, go ahead and count it, but maybe you can count it in the envelope. Can you do that? Go ahead and count it in the envelope, okay? Now, let's say you count it, okay? What is the next impulse that people with an envelope who've been given cash do? I would say that the next impulse is you kind of elbow the person next to you who has an envelope, and you go, how much did you get? <laughs> right? Now, let's play this out. Let's say someone next to you is like, I got 100 bucks. And you're, you're like, I counted five ones, I have five dollars. And you have a hundred bucks? And now you're mad at, at Sylvia, because it was her idea. No, 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 listen, isn't this human nature? Come on, isn't this human nature? The master gives envelopes of money, not just to these servants, but everyone here. And our first impulse is to go, okay, how much and how much did the other guy get? And if the other guy got a lot more, we are not happy. This is unfair. And we spent the whole message thinking of nothing, but how is this fair, right? Don't we do that with our lives? How come that person got a bigger housing, bigger car, makes more money? How come that person has the perfect, you know, family, you know, all this stuff? We go, we go on, and, 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 and what do I have? And we waste our whole lives just being not content with what's in our envelope. And we, we were missing the point. What's the point? The master gives the money to the servant. What's the point? It's not about what's in your envelope. It's what you do with what's in your envelope. 
It's not about how much cash you have. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Now, when these servants come back to the master, what does the master say? Really important observation. He says the same thing, right? Five servant guy produces five talents. Master says this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful a little. I'll put you in charge of money. Now enter into the master's joy. Same thing. So if you got like five bucks, it doesn't matter how much you got. By the way, you got more than five bucks. But what matters is what you do with what you got. Amen? Remember the, uh, the, uh, the widow's mite? Remember that? One day Jesus was watching all these people put large amounts of offering into the temple treasury. And you have the rich people putting in like a lot of money. Jesus is not impressed. And then Jesus sees these poor widow and she tosses in like, you know, like pennies, fraction of a penny. And Jesus is so excited. He's like, hey, disciples, come over here, come over here. And he's pointing out the woman as an illustration. Look. They gave out of their wealth, but this woman gave out of her what? Her poverty. She gave everything she had. That really impressed you. It's not about how much, how fruitful. It's about how faithful. That is what Jesus is looking for. He is looking at the heart. Okay, so you take this envelope, you take this money, and the mission is to put this money to work for the master. Put this money to work for the master. Invest this money with the values of the master. Put this money to work. Well, it will get the most return, produce the most fruit for the master. Now, what I'm going to do right now is give you three values and five examples. We're going to go really quick. This is not just for the people with the envelopes with the money. This is for anyone in the pew with a wallet or a purse or a bank account or possessions, okay? This is not just for envelope people. It's for all people. These principles apply for everyone in the spirit of giving, okay? Now, I want you to think of three things in particular for the people with envelopes. After you pray about this, I want to give you three values that you can use for wise discernment, okay? Now, they happen to form the acrostic BET, B-E-T, okay? Now, the idea here is these are values you can always bet on, okay? I made this up this morning. Give me a little bit of love, okay? Yes. Wow, how clever. Okay, bet. These are values that you can always bet on, okay? What do I do with God's money? Okay, number one, buddy. Is there a gospel buddy that I can make from this? Now, it's one thing just to find an organization that really resonates with you, but go deeper than that. Can you form a friendship with someone who represents that cause? Giving a one-time money exchange does something with the heart, but when you form a friendship and there's, there's some mutual give and take, there's mutual care, then suddenly that value is being championed by a living person. You've made it personal. Can you form a buddy with this cause? So, for example, Pastor Jonathan of, of City Team SF is now like my buddy. We're going camping in June. I like the guy. You know? And so, it's not just a cause, but it's, it's a person that I believe in who's championing this cause. 
And there's so much heart stuff that happens when it's in the context of relationship. E is for empowerment. Should this money be used for empowerment? Uh, You've heard the saying, you you give a man a fish, he will live for. Teach him to fish and he will feed for. Yes, I paraphrased it. Those are not the exact words, but you understand the idea, right? Empowerment. Now, you you could give a handout, uh, but I would say, you know, a little bit of encouragement would be even better if people who don't need a handout but need empowerment get the empowerment. Okay, T is for team. Now, it's really cool to do this by yourself, but if you get other people to do it with you, then the the change, the transformation, the joy is shared. It's even better. It's even richer. Who can I ask to join me in this adventure? Uh, My family, my roommate, my small group, my small group leader, my girlfriend, my spouse, my kids. Get more people engaged. It's more fun to do it together. Okay, bet. These are values you can bet on. B stands for... E stands for, yeah, you guys can read. I, I get that. Look at, look at me. Look at me. Come on. T stands for team. Good. These are values that you can bet on when it comes to giving. Okay, let me give you five examples. Now, these examples did not come from me. I asked the Kingdom of Fun team, and I asked Lynn. And uh, I, I, basically, I said, if you got this envelope full of cash to invest in the value, to put it to work for the kingdom, how would you spend it? Okay, these, these are five that I chose. Okay, number one, this is the real obvious one. You have a friend or a relative who's a mercy minister or a missionary or someone in need. You take them to lunch and you give them the money. And that, that's a really easy one. That's low-hanging fruit, okay? Or maybe you're doing an organization and there's this, organi- this kingdom organization. It resonates with you, okay? You, you're trying to find the buddy in there. Take them to lunch. You give them the money. And a relationship is being formed. That's number one. Number two, love this idea, a homeless care package. Again, this is not just for people with envelopes, but for anyone with a wallet or a purse. Homeless care package. Want to get some, uh, a team, you go to the dollar store. You get all this stuff and you put them in these little care packages and you just divide it among the team. You give it out to the homeless. You give it out to the homeless. And maybe accompany it with a conversation and a prayer. That homeless care package. How about this one? Number three. Did you know that you can actually sponsor a kid for a limited amount of time? I didn't know this until I actually called Compassion International, and they said, that's fine. You can do that. So you can sponsor a child for maybe six months or a year, depending on how much was in your envelope, right? And during that time, you write, you write letters, you build a relationship, and after that time is over, you assess, is God calling me for a, a longer-term investment than beyond these six months or a year? Here's uh, number four. Uh, this actually was Sylvia. She, she said if she had an, an envelope, she would call the local woman's shelter and set up a birthday fund. I mean, think of the shelter and the women that need affirmation. And, um, and then on their birthdays, they could just get, you know, uh, resources just to love on these women who could really use affirmation first from the Lord and from other women. I mean, how cool is that, right? That's a really good one. Uh, and number five, how about uh, this one's Lynn's. Uh, throw a fundraising party at your kid's next birthday. Do you know that, that that's actually uh, uh, something that folks are, are doing? 
Like you can throw a, a fundraising party for your kid, and then when people come to the party, instead of buying a gift, they would actually contribute to the cause. And then during the party, you're like making these care packages or assembling these grocery bags with cans inside them, and they're to be given to the poor. So it's just, it just cool community. It, it, it gets a great message out. It's just cool in, in multiple ways. Uh, throw a fundraising party. So those are some ideas. Come up with your own idea. But I just wanted to give you those for those who uh, just need a little bit of structure. Okay. Now, uh, we started with this parable, and then we addressed this motivation problem. This motivation problem. And uh, we're reading this parable, and, and, and we're confused. It's like, is this parable saying, you know, get to work, or else? Or is this parable saying, uh, you know, get to work, or be thrown into outer darkness? Is, is that what this parable is saying? And I just want to point out, you know, there are three verses devoted to the good servants and their reward. There are six verses devoted to this one servant who doesn't do what he's called to do, and he gets punished big time for it. Three and six, okay? Is this parable saying, get to work or else? Now, what I want you to do is, can you turn to uh, one of your pew buddies? And, and let's say you were to give an answer. What would your answer be? Okay? Turn to your pew buddies. Is this parable basically saying, get to work or else? Yes? No? Go ahead, go ahead and discuss. And let's have the other person share if the other person hasn't shared yet. Okay, um, let, me, let me try to give you my, my best answer, okay? My answer, make this real simple, is um, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Yes, it is, but also when you hold it up against the general counsel of scriptural, no. Okay, let me, let me unpack the, the first thing, yes. This parable, it's meant, to just, it's meant to do that. It's meant to give a warning. It's actually in between these other parables, that, and they all end badly. You know, the, 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 the ten virgins, and the sheep and the goats, Right? They all, so basically, it's one warning. Uh, in case you didn't hear that warning, here's another warning. Another warning. Uh, in case you didn't, another warning. So the three of them, in tandem, make a very powerful warning. Now, you're supposed to read this, and the first time you read it was really the uh, response that the Lord was going for. You're supposed to say, let this never happen to me. You're supposed to say that in prayer. Oh, God. Let this never happen to me. Okay, that is how you're supposed to read it. Okay, um, and, 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 and so 
I, I just want to be real with you guys that here in America, it's really easy to be that, that, that servant. And I just want to remind you guys, Jesus said how difficult it will be for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? I think it means how difficult it will be for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Who's rich here in this room? I am rich. Jesus also said, what's impossible for man is possible for God. So I believe that God has made something impossible for someone like me possible. But I have to explain more. But you're supposed to have that visceral gut reaction. God, let that never happen to me. You're supposed to, it's, it's meant to be a warning. But here's the problem. If you take this parable too far you're going to start thinking that if I just do enough, then I can enter into my master's joy. If I just do enough good things, then I'll go to heaven. And then you form a mental equation, and it looks like this. Okay. Faith. No, 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 the one before that. Okay, that's where we're supposed to go. Oh, I can't just get away. The one before that. Okay, uh, faith plus works equals salvation. Okay? You take this parable too far. You start thinking faith, my faith, plus good works will make me saved. Okay, is that true? Everyone say no, 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 no. Okay, that's not true. Now, here's why I have to explain the no, okay? Now, it's right here in this parable that actually works against this, okay? This one talented servant, what did he do wrong? Well, he was slothful. Yeah, 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 but, but go deeper. Well, he didn't do what his master wanted. Yeah, 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 but why didn't he? Well, it's right there, right? It's right there. Fundamentally, what was wrong with this man, aside from his actions, is what this man thought about God, right? He was thinking wrong about God. Now, how you think about God is called what? Your faith. He was thinking about God all wrong. Look at verse four, uh, 24. The wicked servant says, I knew you to be a what? Two words. A hard Man, now he goes and he explains, what do I mean by hard man? You reap what you didn't sow and you take what you didn't earn. Is that true of God? Can someone say like, heck no? Can I get a heck no from somewhere? Yes, that's not true of God at all. Our representative Adam and Eve, okay, what did they sow? They sowed sin and disobedience. And what, what, What's the natural consequence? What do we reap from that? We reap pain and death. Ultimately, hell. Okay? Now, the gospel, what, who God is and what, he, what, did, what did God do? We sowed sin and disobedience. And God reaped the natural consequence. Jesus Christ died because of what we sowed. And what did Jesus sow? Jesus sowed perfect righteousness. And what did we reap? We reaped his righteousness. The truth is the exact opposite of what this man believed. So, so 
What motivates you to go? It's because of what you know about God. It's because of the gospel. It's because you know that actually it's the other way around. It's true faith in who God really is produces equals salvation plus good works. That when you have true faith and an accurate understanding of who God is, what he did for you on the cross, it naturally motivates you to go out to a broken world and to share the love of God. That is the natural outcome of true faith. Do you have true faith? Do you have any idea what Jesus did for you on that cross? You're blown away by that. You're like, I got to get this message out there. I'm not going to just save it to myself. I want to share it. I want to share his love with broken people. I want to share his love with people who don't have it. That is our motivation. It's right thinking about God. It's understanding the gospel. And when you understand the gospel, oh man, then you're like, I got to do something. And it's not like, oh, here is my obligation. You know, oh, I'm doing this so I won't go to hell. I know I won't go to hell. I know what Jesus did on the cross for me. I am saved by grace, and that is good news. I got to share it. I got to give it. I got to spread that around. That's too good for me just to hog and hold for just myself. You get it? You get it? That's what the gospel does to a human heart. It just changes it from the inside out. And those are the people that God has called us to be. That's why we go on the 31st to city team and care for the homeless. That's why we go to Shoreline and pick up trash. That's why we go to the elderly home for a play date with our babies. That's why we go gardening at Grant's house. That's why we go to Third Box and move furniture. And that's why we come to the SDA and assemble care packages for those who are elderly. That's why we're doing this, because of the incredible love of God that just can't be contained. It's got to get out there. It's got to, you got to share it. You got to do something because true faith works. It works. Faith works itself out in love. True faith produces good works. Okay, this is how I want to close. Nancy, would you come here? This is Warren Kurisu's sister, Nancy. The younger sister, much younger, much, much younger, prettier, more mature, taller, yeah, I know. Okay, sorry. I was, I was, I was trying. Okay. Now, this, this is the idea I want to leave you guys with. Um, when we go out, not motivated by guilt, not fear of hell, when we go out because we know our God is awesome, who he is and what he did, awesome. I am motivated by his love. I'm going to go out. I want to share it. When you do that, here's the big idea, is a very, very powerful thing. The people that we reach, they are not motivated. They are not touched by obligation and guilt and driven by fear. Oh, I don't want to go to hell. That's not how, what touches people. You know what touches people? Love. The love of God touches people. Didn't Jesus say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples? By what? By your what? By your love for one another. What reaches a broken world and screams out loud that we have a God who is reigning, a God who died on the cross and rose? It's by our love. And Nancy is here, who is one uh, who has been greatly impacted when she saw the Christian community rally around her. And so here is Nancy's story. Uh, Thank you so much. I thought I was going to be nervous up here, but I received such a warm welcome from all of you. It feels like family. So I really, really appreciate that. But my story does begin in 2002, which was a long time ago. I had a slight rash on my leg, 
I went to the doctor and I was sent to a hematologist, which absolutely made no sense to me at the time. Um, I was di diagnosed actually with a bone marrow disorder, which progressed to um, myelodysplastic syndrome or MDS, which is a leukemia. In 2004, they began a bone marrow donor search for me because that would be my only hope for survival. I, I basically had a death sentence. Bone marrow follows your ethnic bloodlines. And my brothers were tested, but were not deemed suitable matches. And well, if you know my family at all, which you know Warren, being in such a serious situation, um, you could see why the kidding started about who was adopted, who was the postman, the milkman, mom, what did you do? Anyway, they were not matches for me, so we had to go for an unrelated donor. So a nationwide search ensued, and there just aren't enough Asians or, uh, or minorities in the system to afford everybody a match to save their lives. So I contacted um, Asians for Miracle Merit Matches, which is A3M in Los Angeles, and Warren con contacted Asian American Donor Program up here in San Francisco. And what they do is they register uh, potential donors, and uh, all it is now is just a swap of your uh, cheek cells and some paperwork. Um, bone marrow drives were, were performed from San Diego all the way up to Northern Cal and even out of state for me and others in need. I became a focus patient. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were registered during the time they were looking for me. At the time of that, family and friends came out to volunteer um, and so many individuals, prayer groups, whole churches, Bible studies, they stormed heaven for prayers to find a suitable donor for me. And by 2005, I was being kept alive by blood transfusions. It was, it was really dismal. Uh, in the book of John, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and says, By this, all men will know you are my, my disciples, and we must love one another. This is how I felt as the Christian community rallied around me, the prayer groups. It was the most unbelievable feeling. I almost felt blessed to be sick because had I, that not happened, I would not have felt the love and be where I, where I am today as a Christian. God faithfully answered prayers, and this was truly life-changing, not just for me, but as well as my whole family. A, thir a third donor was found after two had declined. My third donor was found in Japan. I went into City of Hope on Mother's Day in 2006 to start the pre-transplant process and finally made it home 81 days later. Never touched home base between that time. And I was out of circulation for about two years, and uh, I was able to cautiously resume life but not the same life as I had before. We have since found what I call our home church, Catalyst Christian Community, where Clyde and Karen are also from, and so many others. Um, this church is led by Pastor Barry Deguchi. We've been active in the church ever since that time, and we all praise God for every single day and every single thing. Every day is a blessing. Um, I'm so ever grateful for the Japanese donor whom I shall never, never be able to meet. It was a true act of selflessness on her part to donate her marrow to me. Uh, she stepped up and gave the gift of life, and I truly believe that she was heaven sent.
Now, as we enter this, this approach or service day and this season of service, remember that we must love one another and please register to become a donor, a potential donor. All it takes is some paperwork and a swab of your cheeks. You can spread the word on your Facebook. I think there's a message in your, um, your pamphlets today that you received. They're going to have a bone marrow drive here on June 7th. And by all means, if you're you know, 18 to 44 years old in good health, or you can bring your friends and family out to do this as well. It's such a simple process. You can save a life. You can bless someone greatly. You can bring them around. You can introduce them to your church if they're not already here. And if you get that call that you're a potential match for somebody, please stay committed. I had two people that didn't stay committed. It was devastating, but I knew in my heart that God had a plan, and he did, and I'm here to prove it. And uh, thank, thank you today for allowing me to share with all of you. It's such a special time, and I feel so blessed to be in front of all of you today. And if anyone has any questions about the process, because I left out a lot, please feel free to contact me or I'll be around after church for a little bit. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Would you rise? Let's pray. Dear um, Father Almighty, you're so good, and uh, please forgive us for so many times we're kind of like the one-talent servant. We, we kind of think of you as a hard man, and it's, it's so just not true. We sowed sin, and you reaped the consequence, but you sowed righteousness through your son, and we reaped his reward. You're an amazing God. I'm so sorry that, that so many times we've heard this message and we failed to share it or to move out and to give it to other people in, in, um, in word and in deed. Please forgive us, Lord. And during this season, I pray that you would purify our motives so it wouldn't be just one more thing we have to do. We would do it with joy because of this immense, this prodigal father and his immense glorious love for us, his furious love for us. Oh, Lord, if there's anything that motivates us, it's your love, your kindness, and your goodness. Thank you for showing us exactly what you are like through Jesus, your son. And in his name we pray.